This is Running the Race with Pastor Eddie Pinero of Calvary Chapel of Milford in Milford, Pennsylvania. That's where things become effective, that we do things in Christ, for Christ, and through Christ. Everything is Christ. Not about you, not about me, not about anybody. It's about Jesus. Paul saying, every good thing which is in you is in Christ because of Christ. And here what Paul is trying to, to convey to Philemon is that that good thing, you know, Christ is in you. When we get saved, we get a whole new mission in life. Everything becomes about the one who saved us. When we do things for Christ and in Christ, we see our lives become a lot more effective towards spreading the gospel. In today's message, Pastor Eddie will help us understand the importance of this principle. When we go throughout life knowing what our position is in Christ, then we can walk and live with more confidence. Well, let's join Pastor Eddie in the book of Philemon chapter 1 as he continues his message... Paul's prayer and plea. And it becomes effective that people are going to want what you have. So every time you go to church, you're happy. And I visited you when you went to your church. And man, everybody like loves each other. And and they're just happy to see each other. And then you eat. And then you eat. And then you eat. And you fellowship. And then you eat. And you eat. That's what it's all about. Together we share in our faith. And together we koinonia. We have this in common. Jesus Christ. That's a common. We have this, believe it or not. You may have not known, maybe because I have not shared it enough, we should probably practice agape fellowship every first of the month, but the reality is it's more of a spiritual time together. That's what it's all about, because we're doing exactly what the early church was doing. They met together and they broke bread. That's why the verse is mounted there in the fellowship hall. So we can remember, when we break bread... It's not just for us to please the flesh, but it's for us as we break bread, we get to know each other. You know people better when you break bread with them, don't you? That's how it was in in ancient times. They didn't have forks and utensils. They'll break the bread. They'll dip it in a sauce. And if you dipped in the sauce with that person, that means you're becoming one with that person. That's what comes second dip, you know, double dipping, triple dipping, quadruple dipping wasn't a problem. Nobody cared about it. Now it's like, ooh. You know, it's like... Oh, did you? Oh, you had? I don't want to know. Oh, that looks good. Oh, you took a bite out of it. <laughs> so you like lost your appetite. Back then, there wasn't like that because they were one with each other. They were one. And that's what Konania is all about. And that's why we, we, when we fellowship together, is, you know, we get to know each other. And then we kind of connect outside the church. And I encourage you to do that. Don't just know everybody here in the church. Fellowship. Bring them to your house. Invite people over or go over to people's house. Invite yourself. Jesus invited himself. <laughs> you know, it wasn't polite. I'm going to do what Jesus says, you know. Zacchaeus, you come down. I'm going to your house today. Oh, okay. <laughs> Jesus did it because that's what fellowship is all about. 
is we get to know each other outside the church. Not only here. So we say, oh yeah, that's the person I go to church with. No, you say, that's my brother and sister in Christ. We have something that we share, we kononia. You know, and what happens when we break bread together, what happens? We, we encourage one another. We, we get to know that person personally to the point where now we know what to pray for. Now you have more people praying for you, with you. And that's why it's important, konania. So actually, if we use the Greek words, we should call it agape konania. Because we, we call it agape fellowship. Because we all know what agape is, unconditional love. That's what it's about. We don't call it Calvary Chapel Diner, right? It's, right? it's just agape fellowship. It's about Christ, centered around Christ, and we encourage one another. And yeah, that's exactly what the early church did. Now, just to kind of put this into perspective here, at the end of verse 6, Paul says to Philemon, by the acknowledgement of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. You read that at the very last... In you, in Christ Jesus. And just to put it in perspective, when it comes to you, when it comes to me, all of us, there's nothing good. I don't mean to, I know, right? It's not encouraging. But we're going to put it, you're going to put it in the right perspective here. There's nothing good in us. Jeremiah says, the heart is wicked. Who can know it? It's deceitful. It's evil. But there's nothing good that dwells in us. Paul said in Romans chapter 7, verse 18, Paul says this, For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, nothing good dwells. Nothing. And if nothing good dwells in us, then nothing good can come out of us. But here's what changes everything. He says, by the acknowledgement of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. That is the difference. Christ in you. Christ in me. That's where things become effective. That we do things in Christ for Christ. And through Christ. Everything is Christ. Not about you. Not about me. Not about anybody. It's about Jesus. Paul saying every good thing which is in you. Is in Christ because of Christ. And here what Paul's trying to, to convey to Philemon is that that good thing, you know, Christ is in you. We, we need to tap into that. We need to understand that it is Christ in us to help us forgive. And here the letter's about uh, to forgive a runaway slave. For us, we are to forgive Everyone asks for forgiveness. As a matter of fact, you forgive even if someone don't ask you to forgive them. I've heard people say, well, I'm not going to forgive that person because he, he didn't ask. Well, when Jesus was on the cross, he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Did they like stone Jesus and nail, hey, Jesus, can you tell God to forgive me And while he's nailing? No. Lord, forgive them for they know not what they do. And then we should have a forgiving heart. And we can only do that because the crisis in us. And I know it's hard to forgive sometimes, but you have to forgive. Hard to forgive those who hurt you, who wronged you, but forgive because you're being obedient. And again, you're not healing yourself. Not that you can heal yourself. You're going to continue to dwell in the problem. You're only hurting yourself. The people that are set free are the ones that forgive. 
Because you're holding on to a grudge. You're holding on to not forgiving someone. You're hurting yourself. The other person that probably asked for forgiveness, they're okay with God. God is okay with them. Now is your turn. Forgive. But everything we do is because Christ in nothing good in me. There's nothing good in me. But Christ in a Colossians chapter 1 verse 27, the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles and for all people, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. The hope of glory. So in verse 7, he goes on to say, For we have great joy and consolation in your love. Great joy. Wait a minute. You think about great joy. Where was this letter written? It was written, Paul wrote it when he was in prison. How can he have joy when he's in prison? Well, that's who Paul is. <laughs> Paul knows who he is. He knows who he's a prisoner of. Not a prisoner of Rome. Not a prisoner of Caesar. But he's a prisoner of Jesus Christ. He never identified himself as a prisoner of Rome. Never. Never identified himself as a prisoner of any man. I'm a prisoner of Jesus Christ. And that's what he says in the letter. Look at verse 1. Look up back in verse 1. It says, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus. A prisoner of Christ Jesus. And so while in prison there, you know, he's, what does he do? Now here, but he, he, writes, he writes the prison epistles. Ephesians, Philemon, and Colossians. Now, understand, if you really want to know a book of joy, one of the greatest books about joy is Philippians. Philippians. Only four chapters, 19 references of joy. Four chapters, 19 references of joy. And we know the verse, rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. How can you write that when you're in prison? <laughs> well, you can if Jesus is in your heart. And you're worrying about the bigger cause. And you're worrying about, you know, getting people to, get, to, to know Jesus Christ. And not about yourself. Not woe is me, woe is me. No, Paul never said, oh, pray for me. Pray that they release me. No, I'm a prisoner of Jesus Christ. He counted all joy. And he is rejoicing. And so while in prison, because, uh, you know, of his prayer for, for Philemon, he's encouraging Philemon now to, to forgive Onesimus. He writes with great joy and comfort. He says in verse 7, For we have great joy and consolation in your love, because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed by you, brother. Philemon obviously had a ministry of refreshing the brothers and sisters of Christ. What a ministry. I think that is so needed in the church. While people are looking for precision, get attention, and get the glory, you know, we need to refresh others. And that's the ministry Philemon had. Now, that word, a refreshed, or refresh, in the Greek is anapao. That's the Greek word. It means to give rest, to refresh, to give oneself rest, to take rest. And Philemon had a testimony of loving the Lord, vertical, and loving the saints, horizontal, and refreshing the saints. Wow, I want to be around that guy. So what? that's a real Christian. <laughs> now we don't know, like, you know, Paul's writing about a letter about forgiveness. We don't know if he wasn't going to forgive. I by the way, Paul right, is, is describing Philemon. I don't think he's that person. He's sending Philemon with the letter, along with Coloss the book of Colossians, and he already knows, hey, this is a man of love. This is a man who lives up to his name. He has a good testimony. That's why he has a Bible study. That's why people love to be around him, because he's refreshing. He's one of those people that refresh. 
But can I tell you that that same word that we see here, refresh, is the same word that Jesus used when he said, come unto me. Look at Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. Jesus says, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you anapao. That's the same word, rest. See, in the English word, we have rest and refresh. The Greek word, it's only one. It means the same thing. Okay? And so that, if you, you have your study tools at home, Hopefully you do. And you can, you know, just look at that word rest here. Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 is going to bring you to the Greek word anapio, which means rest. So the same, the same ministry Philemon had with the same ministry that Jesus gave when he was here. Come unto me all who labor in a heavy land, I will give you rest. I can imagine all those that have probably been shipwrecked by other fellowships and churches and they come and, and, and Philemon is like this lighthouse, you know? And all those that have been hurt in church, different denomination, demonation, whatever it is, they, they come and, and here is, let's go to, you know, I think Philemon, you know, he, he, he lives up to Jesus. He loves you, man. And, and man, he, every time I'm around him, I feel refreshed. I feel encouraged. That's the ministry he had. Philemon, what a great testimony. And it is only when we come to Christ, when we come to Christ, we get refreshed by Christ. Then we, in turn, refresh others. Some will say, okay, thank you for refreshing me, Lord. Now I'm going back to my own thing, and I don't care about anybody else. It's me, myself, and I. (laughs) You know, I need refreshment. The Lord says, refresh me. Help me, Lord. You know, help others. Refresh others as Christ refreshed you. And so Philemon actually lives up to his name. What does his name mean? We did this in the introduction, right? His name means affectionate, friendly, one who kisses. One who kisses. And so that is the prayer of the Apostle Paul at verses 4 to 7. Now Paul is going to give a plea. He's going to plea with Philemon for Onesimus, his runaway slave. And that's in verses 8 to 22, but we're going to look, at, we're going to look up to verse 16. So verse 8, verse 8 begins with the therefore. Therefore. Therefore, Philemon, you are one who loves the Lord. The horizontal. You are one that loves your brother and sister vertical. You are one who refreshes everyone. You have this testimony. Your name means affectionate, friendly, one who kisses. Therefore, he goes on, that I might be very bold in Christ to command you what is fitting. I could command you. You know who you are in Christ. I could command you because it's scriptural. It's the right thing to do. I'm you know, my, I'm the Apostle Paul. He's not bragging or he's not throwing his rank. Notice he didn't identify himself in his letter as he did with the others. He would identify himself as Paul the Apostle. He didn't need to do that here because apparently Philemon had a good testimony. He didn't have to exercise his authority too much. In verse 9 he goes, Yet for love's sake I rather appeal to you. Yet for love's sake I rather appeal to you. Not Exercising my authority is not necessary. You know who I am. We know who I am. But I want to appeal to you in love. And I could kind of give the best explanation. I try not to share too much of my, my previous employment, but as a police officer. As a police, everybody knows what a uniform is. Everybody knows what's a shield. Right? I don't need to exercise authority, be bossy, or be demanding. 
Everybody knows what it is. I praise the Lord that I knew Christ before I became a police officer because the career that I had not once had been a complaint against me. I had seasoned veterans who would work with me and they would say, you know, I can't lie, I'm not exaggerating. They would say, I like to work with Panero because Panero would give a, a ticket to a driver and he'll thank him. Okay? Some of you got it. Those that didn't laugh, you probably got multiple tickets. Just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. Just, tick- just kidding. You know, the uniform does everything. I don't need to exercise that authority. In fact, I had, I had a chief that would call my boss and say, you know, who's Panero? Well, tell him thank you. He was professional, and I forgot the relationship. I think it was a niece or grand, and they were thankful. A civilian told me the same thing. A civilian that worked in my precinct said, you know what? Uh, you know, I don't know who it was, the relationship, but you know, they say you were really nice. You were professional. Because I represent Christ. I don't need to exercise authority. And I, I, I've, I read this article once when, um, I hate to promote movies, but it was the character Batman. The actor was wanting to know, how, he was acting, he was asking a seasoned actor, Jack Nicholson, that it was. And Michael Keaton was the Batman. He said, how do you act if you're wearing a costume? How do you act if you're in a costume? Because you don't see the face expression. All you see is body motion. You know, it could be his double, for all we know. And Jack Nielsen has told him, you know what? Let the costume do the work. And that's what he did. And in the same way, I don't need to boss anybody around. I don't need to speak with, oh, because I'm the boss. I don't need to do that. And that's what Paul is saying. I don't need to do it. But I'd rather appeal to you in love. And so the reason why Paul is doing this for three reasons. Why he appeals in love rather than speaking, I the apostle, I Paul, you know. Well, number one, because Philemon was a man full of love. He already knew. Philemon has a great testimony. He, he is a brother who loves people. What do I need to tell him for? Now, if there was a problem, if he had problems with people, i say, listen, brother, then I have to say, as a, you know, yeah, as an apostle, you need to repent and, you know, get along with your brother. But he had, number one, he had a relationship, and he had a, a testimony of loving and even refreshing others. Look at verse 5 again. It says, hearing of your love, verse 5, and faith which you had towards the Lord and towards all the saints. Look at verse 7. For we have great joy and consolation in your love. You see, he has this love. So you already know he had this love. So he lived up to his name. Secondly, Paul loves both Philemon and Onesimus. Onesimus, we're going to see, he's like his son. He loves them both. And you know, he wants them to get together in love. And, and that's what we should do. If we're the ones that are peacemakers, we bring two people to reconcile together. You know, you can't show favoritism because God doesn't show favoritism. God shows partiality to no man. So you, because you love both your brother and sister or brother, brother, or sister, or sister, whatever. You love them. You want them to come together. So Paul loves them both. But Paul is using wisdom here. And I think, again, as I gave you the explanation, he knows that a loving appeal would be better than an authoritative command. It'll be better. Out of love. You know, love covers a multitude of sins, right? Love, uh, you know, the, the love chapter, 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Love is kind. Love is patient. Love holds no, love keeps no record. And when you do things in love, it becomes so effective. So effective. You know, people are going to sense that this person loves me. I want to hear everything he has to say. But when we do it the love of Christ, 
You know, everything we do, we are to do it in the love of Christ. As Paul wrote, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14, he writes this, For the love of Christ compels us. It is the love of Christ that compels us. It has us do the right thing, the godly thing, the Christ-like thing. Because we have the love of Christ. And Paul is handling this as a leader to another leader, to one who already loves the Lord, in the love of Christ. We don't need to throw ranks here. We don't need to throw titles here. You know, it's all about love. So verse 9, he says, Yet for love's sake, I rather appeal to you, being such a one as Paul, in other words, he is an apostle, the age, in other words, he's older than him, and now a prisoner of Jesus Christ. He's definitely in ministry with Philemon, but he's in jail. <laughs> Philemon is still out there. In verse 10, he says, I appeal to you for my son Onesimus, whom I have begotten while in my chains. Onesimus is no longer a slave. Now he is a son of an apostle. Apostle Paul tell you, this is like my son which he called Timothy his son, right? Titus, he calls his son. Now, that doesn't mean that Onesimus is no longer a slave to Philemon. He's still a slave. It doesn't mean that he doesn't have to pay for what he has stolen, yes. But what it does mean is that he now stands before God, before the church there in Philemon's house, and before Philemon, as not only a servant, but a a believer in Jesus Christ. Not only a slave, but a a slave for Jesus, a a servant of Jesus Christ. You know, in Christ, we're all brothers and sisters. And this is what he's trying to say. Yes, listen, Philemon, Onesimus, yes, he's your servant or employee, but he's your brother in Christ. He's your brother in Christ. Philemon is a master, yes, whatever his profession is. And so is uh, Onesimus, he's a slave, employee, whatever it is, but they're both brothers and sisters in Christ. Because when we come to Christ, it's neither slave nor free, right? No male or female, right? Galatians chapter 3, verse 28, Paul writes this, There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ. We're all brothers and sisters in Christ. And quite often, I don't know what your view is when someone says that in the body of Christ, we're all brothers and sisters in Christ. I don't know what your view is, but it needs to be considered above anything else, any other relationship. Why? Well, Jesus set the example. Jesus set the example. Remember when Jesus was on the cross and he said to his mother, he said, woman, now he's not saying woman the way we use term woman. He says, ma'am, He's approaching his mother respectfully. Ma'am, woman, behold thy son. He's talking about John, the beloved, the disciple John. John is 18 years old. You've been listening to Running the Race with Pastor Eddie. Pastor Eddie has been drawing real-world lessons from the book of Philemon. This is a letter written by the Apostle Paul and sent with Onesimus, a man who was formerly a bondservant to Philemon. Paul pleads for Philemon to accept him as the brother that he is in Christ. Just like it says in Galatians 3.28, There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. 
Jesus is the great equalizer. And as his followers, we should be advocating for that same unity within our churches. Let's follow Paul's example and plead for our brothers and sisters to be treated like valued members of the community. Running the race is a ministry out of Calvary Chapel of Milford. And here's Jessica with an invitation just for you. We'd love to have you come join us at Calvary Chapel of Milford. We're conveniently located off Interstate 84 and Route 6. For service times and all the information you need, visit runningtheraceradio.com and click on the Back to Homepage button. While you're there, you can listen to this teaching again or explore more messages from Pastor Eddie. Thanks, Jessica. Are you in the New York, New Jersey, or Pennsylvania area? Then take advantage of this open invitation. Stop in and see us today. We're conveniently located off Interstate 84 and Route 6. Thanks for joining us here today. We'll be back next time with more from Pastor Eddie on Running the Race.